small T trauma is the cumulative experiences that happen to us over our childhood, maybe even early adulthood, that change how we see ourselves, they change who we are, they change our opportunities. I'm singing my sorrow. I'm singing my rage. I'm singing this fear out and I sing it over and over again. Welcome to Change Making Women, the podcast for women who make a difference. With Ziada Bade in Dar es Salaam, Tanzania, and Marianne Clements in London, in the UK. Hi, and welcome to Change Making Women. I'm Marianne Clements in London, in the UK. I'm here with Ziada. Hi, Ziada. Hi, Marianne, and I'm podcasting from Dar es Salaam. In Tanzania, right? And then we have a yes. guest with us. We're excited to have a guest with us today, who is Nicole Lewis K. Kai- oh, I knew I was going <laughs> I'd get it wrong if I asked you, <laughs> Nicole. <laughs> Welcome, and please tell us how to pronounce your name correctly. <laughs> Thank you for having me. It's Nicole Lewis Kieber. Um, here in America, we have the Keebler elves that make cookies. So I always tell mm-hmm. people there's no L and there's no L's. And sorry, I've got no cookies for you. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good one. <laughs> so Nicole, please. Um, welcome. I've um, read some of your stuff and looked at your website and I know that part of what you're about or what I'm excited to hear about is thinking about um, our relationship with our business and and, and um, yeah I'm excited to hear more about that but I'd also just like to um, uh, welcome you and ask you just to tell our listeners a little bit about yourself whatever feels right to share to start with. Thank you. So I, I was a therapist for 18 years. I have a master's degree in social work. You know, here's all the boring credential stuff. Master's degree in social work. I'm a licensed clinical social worker. And I worked as a therapist in our clinical setting for about 18 years here in the United States. I live in um, Lancaster, Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not from Lancaster, Pennsylvania. I'm from North Carolina. So you'll catch a little bit of a Southern accent every once in a while. Mm-hmm. Um, And after working in the field of mental health and uh, drug and alcohol, um, you name it, I've worked with that population. And after about 18 years of that, I really needed a break from doing direct service. And so I left the field of social work um, and being a therapist to get trained in the coaching arena uh, because I really thought it was very interesting on how you can still be of service to people and work with them. Um, but in a different setting, in a way that's, you know, we're working towards goals. It's more in a motivational space as an, as opposed to more of um, a mental, you know, more of a diagnostic place like, you know, depression or anxiety. And so I've been working as a coach in my business for about four and a half years now. And I started as a money and mindset coach for small business owners and entrepreneurs. Um, and what I have transitioned into in my business is the study of how small T trauma impacts entrepreneurship. And part of that, you had talked about the relationship with your business. Part of what I began to see with my own self and my clients was that um, we were recreating old patterns of toxic relationships in our business because we are in a relationship with our business and don't always realize that. So a lot of the writing I do and a lot of the work I do with clients is around that idea. So my clients call me a business therapist and mindset coach, which I I think is hysterical. (laughs) 
a business therapist and mindset coach. So um, I love the idea of a business therapist. <laughs> Although, <laughs> yeah, but but I think just um, just to try and expand that a bit a, a bit in terms of business therapist. Now, what does that entail? Are you looking into the whole business, or are you looking for a person into that business? One of the things that I noticed. Uh, and I couldn't help but notice this as I was doing mindset work with these small business owners and these entrepreneurs is that the ones who were attracted to working with me as a coach were people who trusted me because they knew I had been a therapist. And so what they were bringing to the table was some of their old childhood traumatic experiences that they were noticing had created patterns in their business. So that's why they called it started calling me a business therapist because we weren't just doing strict coaching, but we weren't doing therapy anywhere either. We were, we were kind of working out the relationship between them and their business, how old patterns had resurfaced and helping them really kind of dig into um, like I call them your inner kiddos, like the parts of you that, you know, from your past that had they experienced those childhood adverse experiences, how they show up, in your business as well. And so one of my clients one time said, you know, I feel like that you're getting me and my business on the couch together in a therapy session to work this out so that we can have a solid and healthy relationship. And so they just kept calling me the business therapist. And that's how that kind of grew. I do not look at systems around, you know, I, I don't do strategies on how to launch your next program, right? That's not me. It's all about emotional support. It's all about exploring patterns and, um, and how you know, childhood adversity impacts their business. So Nicole, it's, it's so interesting because I think a lot of people probably never thought about those things as being related. And uh, so I'm wondering if like, you've got any examples you could give. I don't know, obviously we don't want to hear like your clients right. or stuff, but maybe something that's yours or you know something that you've got permission to share. Just to give people an example of like, how would my past trauma or past childhood experiences that might not have been so great show up in my business because I might think that you know what I'm doing now is totally different from what I was doing then yeah so I always like to say that um you know we don't drop our baggage at the door when we start a business we bring all the who we are into it and that includes our amazing brilliance but also you know some of the challenges and one of the I noticed that um people who have had adversity, a lot of times it breeds this really high level of resilience, um, out of the box thinking, organization, um, a high tolerance for discomfort. And so they often end up being people who own businesses or have this entrepreneurial life because their, their experiences created the idea and desire to be their own boss. And so while it has an amazing skill set around it, there's also some challenges. So I'll give you an example of my where I saw this happen for me. I always start with with myself. Mm -hmm. sure. um, and so I, anyone who's heard me on any podcast or anything knows that you know I I had some of my own childhood trauma, and you know I'm not going to go into a lot of detail because I don't want to trigger your audience. Mm -hmm. um, but you know emotional um, trauma, and also um, I had a learning disability in school, and so. Mm -hmm that is an example of something that we call a small T trauma. It's not catastrophic. It's not like what we think about when we think of trauma, but because it's cumulative in nature, it erodes your self-worth and your feeling of who you are. And, and so I had this experience growing up and I also had this, you know, a really complicated relationship with my caregivers. 
And so when I started my own business about two years into it, what I realized one morning is that I really did not enjoy what I was doing. I felt like a failure before I had even started my day. I felt like I was letting people down. Um, I felt a little abused by my business. And so I had this light bulb moment of if I'm feeling this way, this is my business. It is no one else's. It is mine. I created this. And if I created this to feel beat up by it, why is that? Mm. And so I had to do a deep dive on, on, okay, well, where have I felt this way before? And, and what is it about this new arena of my business created this opportunity for me to kind of recreate this old pattern of behavior, this old relationship? Um, and when I saw that, what I was able to do is then say, okay, so if I've created a relationship with my business that feels yucky, you know, and I did this by default because I didn't realize that I was in a relationship with it. How do I get out of this? And so then I began to develop these steps for myself first on, well, how do I want to feel about my business? You know, how do I want to be supported by it? If my business were a person or a thing or an energy, what would it look like and how would I want to relate to it? And so what it does is it helps us get, get the idea of our business or our project or art, whatever it may be, outside of ourselves so that we can then relate to it and negotiate the boundaries and feelings and values around it. And so that's what I was able to do from there and start to do with my clients as well. Well, it's really interesting. So yeah. I'm just, I just want to go back to that idea of feeling like a failure because I can kind of relate. Um, <laughs> I can relate to sometimes having you know, realize that I'm telling myself, maybe I'm not getting every, every, all the things I should be getting done, or I don't know, you know, kind of that, that, that slipping into that sort of criticizing myself around the things that I'm trying to do. And um, in my, in my business, my work life, and um, I've worked for myself for about, oh, eight years now, I think. And, um, and there definitely have been times when I've been like, oh, you know, this is really hard. I'm interested in like how recognizing that you were doing this, how the, how the recognizing helped you do things differently. Like what did, no, I guess what I'm asking is what did you then do differently once you'd realized? Mm -hmm. Well, I recognized the pattern because what was I feeling? I was feeling like a failure. Well, how, yeah. you know, how often did I feel like that in school? You know, every yeah. single day <laughs> right, right. I went to school and had no idea how to learn in that environment. So yeah. that message of you're a failure was a pretty deeply ingrained one. So of course that's what came up and also feeling like, um, I wasn't supported, you know, I, I didn't feel supported by my caregivers or seen or, you know, really cared for. And so I had created my business to be kind of like this mean abusive boss, you know, and, and so what I had to see was, okay, well, these are familiar patterns. They're pretty distant in the past, but because this is a new arena, like it's, I'm starting my business, this is new, it's bringing back old stuff. Mm -hmm. And so I just recognized those patterns and I gave myself some self-compassion <laughs> mm -hmm. and I reminded myself, this is my business. That, who is this invisible they that I'm worried about? Yeah. Or do they even exist? And so that line of questioning, like, who is the they I'm worried about? Reminding myself, this is my business and I get to make the decisions and decide these things, you know, that power and agency over it. Um, and what do I want it to look like? 
how do the boundaries need to be set up in my business? Where do I work? Who do I work with? You know, who gets my time? All of that came next as far as how do I want to relate to my business in a way that feels healthy and supportive and that I'm not alone out here on the front line by myself, you know, dodging the bullets. And so that's kind of how it, it started to unfold. Mm. And uh, I've seen that you have the, uh, the business self assessment, by the way, um, guys, you can, you can get the business. I think you can download it. It's for free, right? Nicole from oh, Nicole's yes. mm-hmm. website. We'll share the link towards the end of the show. So just uh, uh, tell us a bit about the business self assessment. Um, when someone does this, when they assess themselves, what, what should they get out of it? What is it that they're supposed to have, you know, by the time they finish assessing themselves? Mm -hmm. What is it, as in, what questions are supposed to be answered? So one of the most common themes and patterns that I saw with myself and then with my clients, obviously, when I had this new lens to look at the work was that um, in, in setting up that relationship with our business, because no one asks us any of these questions, they say, you know, we go and get a business plan, we get a marketing plan, um, you know, we get all these plans and strategies for our business, but no one really asks us, how do you want to feel about it? You know, what are the possible blind spots that could come up for you in your business because of these old experiences that you had or relationships that either worked for you or didn't work for you? Um, what kind of bosses have you had in the past? Were they supportive or were they demanding and demeaning? And when you look at your business, what boss are you being to yourself? And so what I began to see pretty quickly is that my clients were going, were saying, oh my God, I am the worst boss to myself. I am terrible. <laughs> I am a terrible boss to myself. Um, and they were starting to make these connections with these old patterns and these old relationships and it wasn't uncommon for someone to say, oh, my gosh, Nicole, if you, if you ask me who my business is, it's my demanding father. Or it was this teacher in third grade who I couldn't do anything right for. And here I am feeling that way again. And so what the assessment does is it asks a lot of deep self-inquiry type of questions to say, how are you feeling about your business? What kind of boss are you? What kind of people have you had in your life that were supportive? Who were they? What did it look like? What did it feel like? The people who weren't, what did it look like? How did it feel like? And how did it manifest? And so the assessment takes you through all of those really deep questions so that you can have a really clear understanding at the end what kind of relationship you have set up between you and your business. Is it supportive? Um, and secure and healthy or is it demanding and demeaning or is it somewhere in the middle where you need to make some shifts in order to feel more supported by your business you are not your business it is not you it is something outside of yourself that you are relating to and when we don't understand that we default into old patterns and so that's what this assessment is is to help you see those blind spots and what patterns perhaps you have created and I can absolutely relate to that I mean you know sometimes it's it's a good point that you're saying um, that it's you're not your business. You know, it's a relationship between you and your business. And I think a lot of us do not really understand that. We feel like you know, just because I started this business, so this business is me. And half of the time you find yourself that you give your business all the good and the bad characters that you have. Mm-hmm. You know, to throw it in there and then that becomes your business. I mean, this is really eye-opening. 
Amazing. It's so funny. One of the most common things that I hear people say is, oh, my business is my baby. And exactly. I always respond. I'm like, I don't want my business to be my baby because babies <laughs> are needy and they poop on you. <laughs> <laughs> I want my business to be strong and fun and supportive. And, you know, and so we just need yeah. to look at it differently and that, um, you know, we're in a relationship with our money. We're in a relationship with our business. Mm -hmm. We're in a relationship with our space, with our clients, with our employees. What motivates you to keep, to keep going? I think there's a couple of things that motivate me. And, and first yeah. and foremost is that I, I believe that we as, a, we as a culture and we as women minimize the experiences that we had in our childhood and in our life. Um, and that we don't give them the proper name, whether it be a small T trauma or a big T trauma, people love to minimize that and take that power of owning and naming something away from us. So I always say, call a thing a thing. Let's just call it what it is, right? And then let's give people the tools to be able to move through it and not think, you know, just because I started a business or I started a job that I have to leave my experiences at the door and I have to pretend I have to you know, do whatever story we're telling ourselves, that it, that it's a part of us and that we have to attend to it. Okay. And my biggest, biggest reason is that I believe, and, and because I work with small business owners and entrepreneurs and mostly women, I have worked with men, but mostly women, I believe that when women have power, when women have influence, when women have a voice, they can change everything. And if we don't work on these traumatic events and how they impact small business and how they impact our relationship with our business, then statistically, we as a small business owner, we are going to shut down. You know, the, the odds are not in our favor. And so we must look at everything that comes to the table with that. So when I always say not... I get really passionate about this. So I always say that it would be a shame if some woman who has overcome so much in her life and is brave enough to jump into this world of small business ownership, because it's not easy, is brave and courageous enough to step into this, this arena and they have a strategy and they have a plan and they have all their skill sets. It would be a crying shame for their old experiences and old traumatic patterns to be the thing that shuts them down. And I always say, not on my watch. Your trauma will not be the thing that shuts down your business. Not on my watch because you deserve to have this business. You deserve to have financial freedom. You deserve to have agency where you're your own boss. You deserve to have a say. And when you have financial freedom, you have power, you have influence, you have a seat at the table and that changes everything. So trauma is not going to be it. I want to, I just want to ask you a question about, because as, as you were talking, Nicole, um, I've, I've been wondering, like, can, does this only work with a business that's got, like, one leader or one main employee? Because I think about Ziada's, one of the businesses Ziada's involved with, which is, you know, she, she's like a co-owner of it. Yeah, I was just thinking, like, can you work with, like, um, co-owners or, 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 or does it only really work if there's one person owning a business? No, this idea can work outside of that. In fact, I, I worked with two women who were founding a business. They were bringing their experiences <clears throat> and their own businesses together in the functional medicine arena. And so they have very different backgrounds. Mm -hmm. And so we went through a process together. We did a VIP day where we, we went through a process together and we asked all these questions to kind of see where they were at 
um, what relationships and blind spots perhaps they had brought into their own businesses. Um, and then they did this really fun exercise of thinking about, you know, who is our business going to be? You know, if it's an entity or an energy, like who is it going to be for us? Mm -hmm. And so they were able to come to some common ground around it. It is harder because you're dealing with two sets of histories and two ideas about how you want to feel supported. Um, because the way that we receive support can look very different from one person to the next, right? Right. Um, and I think that this is why Brene Brown's work is so important because in essence, when she's talking about shame and vulnerability and leading from, you know, heart-centered leadership, which is what she's really focusing on now, it allows for that conversation to come where people come into a room together to have this conversation and say, yeah, what are my tender spots and the stories maybe I make up about things that could impact the way that this new project happens or this new business or, you know, for founders. So the work that she's doing, I think is very complementary to this idea that you can take, um, you can take this idea and actually move it into managing teams and starting a business together, um, which is one of the reasons why I'm going to be getting her dare to lead certification um, mm -hmm. in June, because I think it's very important. And that, I, and that, and in a way that kind of excites me because I think in many ways, um, the problems that we might have when we try and work with other people. And believe me, I've had lots of problems trying to work with lovely other people, but just, it's hard to work with people sometimes, you know. Um, <laughs> that, you know, I, I think it's a really exciting idea to be able to look at, look at the challenges we have in working with other people from, through this lens of, okay, well, if, if the thing we're working on is not us, but is a, is a, is a kind of, you know, is, is something we want to have a relationship with, that gives a whole new, whole new way of thinking about how to resolve challenges in partnership or, or in, in bigger teams, collectives trying to work together, doesn't it? It does. It gives common language, right? It gives a common purpose. It gives permission for people to share their, you know, kind of tender spots and say, yeah, this is the story I'm telling myself about what you just did. <laughs> you know, yeah. like you, you kind of get to bring all of the way that you process life to the table, not just, you know, what's what people deem appropriate in a corporate setting or business. That's right. how we operate as human beings. We have to be okay with all of us, you know, because that's how our brains are set up to process information, you know, is to create stories where there's not data so that we can figure out how to respond. That's that, you know, primal urge for survival is I don't have all the details. So what can I create around this so I can figure out what to do next? Sure. It is okay. So we just have to have compassion around that. Uh, and then um, I'd be interested to hear a bit more about the Dare to Lead work that you're going to do with Brené Brown, because um, you mentioned it there. I'm sorry, I, I kind of went off <laughs> on my own enthusiasm about how this could help figure out problems with other people. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I was about to ask the same question. Thank you, Marianne. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> right? So. So I work with a lot of uh, women-owned businesses who usually have some employees under the, underneath them, and, and they're funny. Um, they, it's funny how your clients give you names. So they like to call me the CEO wing woman because I'm in their corner. Like, I'm always there to support them, to you know, help them navigate those blind spots, particularly in relationship to their employees. Because in the research that I've done, and again, I'm not a researcher. I'm studying this at this point, um, but I call it research because I've had I've asked people and done interviews on this um, that in, in the 50 plus employee you know, clients I've spoken to or people that I've spoken to around this, there's some categories where these trauma 
experiences show up in our business around money, visibility, trust. Um, oh my gosh, what's the other one? I can't think of it right now. But that trust piece is what's really important when it comes down to how they, how these clients are relating to their employees and also to their clients sometimes. And their ability to trust their employees and rely on them is really low, I have to say. It's very low because of those experiences that they're having. And so what I began to see is a lot of the conversations we were having in our sessions was about their relationship with their employees and their ability to rely on them. And Brene Brown has all of this huge research on shame and vulnerability. She's done all of this research and this work on the dare to lead process that she's used in these companies like Amazon and Disney um, to help people in leadership positions be able to have heart-centered, real conversations with their employees. And I, when I saw their call for applications come out, I thought, gosh, if I could just get more training on this just to help my own clients, it would be worth it. Um, and so I applied and was accepted to be in one of the cohorts and I go in June and I will train with her directly, which is exciting. I can't tell you. She's like, to me, she's like, you know, whatever rock star is your favorite, favorite person for that, you know, for me, Brene Brown's my rock star, um, to be able to work with her directly and train with her on how to facilitate heart centered, open leadership um, in that employee conversation, I think will be very, very helpful to my clients and, you know, new opportunities for me within my business as well, because we need to do that. We have been so boxed in and how we relate to each other in environments and communities that we're in that we have forgotten that um, a vulnerable conversation that's really real and true is such a connector and we need that. I am yeah, documenting and, that on my face, my, my <laughs> coaching page for Facebook. I've just been saying, this is what my assignment is today. You all can do it yeah. too. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> so what challenge you, challenges you the most? I think the thing that challenges me the most is that there's a, I think it's time. I'm 48. Um, I just turned 48 on Saturday. And I'm okay, kinda, now I have to say no way. <laughs> no. <laughs> Yeah, I've oh lived a lot God, of life. Do yeah. look it. You give us a secret for that. <laughs> I honestly know children. <laughs> I don't have kids. I, you know, my friends always joke with me. They're like, how do you look so young? And I'm like, I don't have children. <laughs> I, mean, I don't. Um, and, you know, I, and I think that, you know, being a caregiver and a parent is one of the hardest jobs. And so, therefore, it's, it can be very stressful and taxing. So, you know, I have no crow's feet or wrinkles or lines because it's just me, my husband, and my three cats. So, um, but it really does, it boils down to the idea of time because I'm kind of running out here a little bit as a trailblazer talking about how trauma impacts small, business entre small businesses and entrepreneurs. Um, it's really not a conversation that's being had. Brene's research is very close um, in what she's doing, but there's really not, if you go Google, how does trauma impact small business? Like you're not going to find it. Trust me, I tried. Um, and so I'm challenged by the amount of time I feel like I have to do the work in paradigm shifting around this idea in the world. So that it gets me out of bed every day and it also challenges me to calm down a little bit and just make sure that the time I'm spending is meaningful and not, um, not superficial. I can relate to that in some ways. Um, I think I, I, I often have like very broad ambitions for the things I'm trying to share in the world. And, and so I love that sense of like trying to keep 
keep focused on you know making sure that everything you do is meaningful with you know when you've when you've got a big idea to share um I wanted to ask you how people can find you on like your Facebook page because I was like oh you're sharing the exercises (laughs) yeah so I do have have a Facebook page it's Nicole Lewis Keeper Coaching Mm -hmm. um I do have a newsletter um I, I, I'm trying to engage with it more meaningfully, uh, but I will admit I'm pretty bad about sending out consistent emails. Um, so I would say the best place to follow me then is on Facebook to you know, really kind of be in the know. Yep. I do have a website, which is Nicole.Lewis-Keeper.com, where you can get that business relationship assessment. If you kind of want to poke around, ask yourself some questions about the relationship that you have developed with your business, you can substitute that business with your job, you know, with your project, with, you know, other things. It's kind of a framework to, to ask yourself, you know, certain questions because you're in a relationship with your job, too. Um, and you can find that there. And I'm also on Instagram called Lewis Keeber, but it's, it's more of a mix on Instagram of some business and some personal. Sure. Um, I'll confess to having done that assessment. I think it's excellent. So um, <laughs> it, I haven't done it yet. So right after this, I need to do it. <laughs> I think it's re- a real, it was a real eye opener for me to see some. No, it's something oh. absolutely new because I've never heard of it. And you're right. If you do Google a trauma for, for business, you won't get anything. Yeah. Mm-mm. And that's not kind of silly that, you know, we've minimized our experiences in childhood to just having, oh, I had a bad childhood or, you know, things weren't great to just completely forgetting that it's, we need to honor all of our experiences and that they give us skill sets and they can give us blind spots and that it's all important and that we don't stop being who we are just because we start a business, enter into a job. Um, I think it's important. I, it, it, and like you said, I think, you know, it, it might give us a lot of insight into the things that we, we, we end up not, not pursuing or the things that fail, you know, as well as the things that, that end up succeeding. And if we look around us and like so many of the large successful businesses are, you know, led by men, led by white men, you know, it's interesting, I think, to observe that and to, and to ask the question, well, you know, there's some things about um, about our cultures that, that give them priority, but also, they, you know, there, there are things about the trauma that, that many of us experience that might make it harder for us as well. So I think it's just a really interesting idea to explore. <laughs> Thank you. And it's important to remember that my trauma is my own experience. You know, someone mm-hmm. else's is very different. And this, this really is the intersection of, you know, oppressive systems as well and how they impact and yeah. how it's important to have that conversation as well, too. So thank you for giving me this opportunity to share this information. Yeah, now the final question. <laughs> I usually get so excited asking it. I don't even know why. <laughs> you do. <laughs> yeah. You know what, Marianne? I think because we get a lot of different answers. Every time we ask this question, and very interesting ones as well. So I'm waiting to hear Nicole's. So how do you make sure you look after yourself and relax? So the very premise of the work I do is to have a business that's supportive and loving, right? So I can't be out there abusing myself with my business and (laughs) preaching. (laughs) Preaching, like, have a loving relationship with your business when I'm being a jerk to myself. Right. Right. (laughs) I'm not not here for that. So... um, (laughs) 
what I've had to do is take a really strong look on my boundaries. And so what I do every morning is, and this is a cliche, and I would have hated myself five years ago, just so you know. <laughs> um, that snarky voice would be like, who does she think she is getting up at five o'clock in the morning and telling me I need to do it too? Um, so let me just be clear. I'm not telling anyone they have to get up early. I'm just saying this is what I do. I get up early. I welcome the morning. I say good morning to the sun. I thank the new day for its opportunities. Sometimes I pull like an oracle card or something like that or do some reading to put myself in a place of um, gratitude because I think gratitude is super important and quiet and introspection because I really feel like that that's when we, um, our intuition speaks to us most loudly. Um, and for me, that's self-care is to start my day off with some quiet introspection, some gratitude. Um, because, you know, because of my own trauma background, waking up used to be not cool. I used to think about my day with immense dread and worry. And so for me, waking up and having gratitude and welcoming the sun and saying good morning and just spending time, that's so nourishing and supportive for me on so many levels. I love that. Thanks for sharing that with us, Nicole. And there was something I wanted to ask you earlier and that I forgot, and it was just to for our listeners to explain the difference between um, a big T and a small T trauma, because I thought people might not, might not understand that. Thank you for asking that question, because I usually do circle back to that. So what big T trauma is, is what most of us identify when we think of trauma, you know, catastrophic illness, um, mm -hmm. uh, acute injury, um, PTSD, um, assault, violence, you know, um, some of the, the some of the bigger catastrophic events um, and that's how as a society we have really only given definition to trauma in that way and sometimes not even then sometimes we still minimize that I see that happen a lot um, so so that's what we call big T trauma small T trauma is the cumulative experiences that happen to us over our childhood, maybe even early adulthood that change how we see ourselves. They change who we are, they change our opportunities. So it could be something like for me, you know, having a learning disability every day going to school, it changed me because I didn't know what I was, what was happening. I didn't know how to ask for help. They couldn't help me. It's a very helpless place to be every day. Um, and it changes how you see yourself and how you relate. Um, and, and so that's an example of a small T trauma. Maybe you had a single parent and you were always alone. Um, you know, maybe you had some food insecurity. Um, maybe you were bullied. Um, there's so many ways that that small T trauma can show up. And so I always like to say that large T trauma explodes, small T trauma erodes, but they both cause damage. They both change the landscape. They change how we see ourselves. Um, the small T trauma is also sometimes called developmental trauma or complex trauma because it shows up very differently for each person. Thanks, Nicole, for explaining that. Um, um, and so thank you so much for being with us today, Nicole. Um, I really enjoyed our conversation. And um, I, like I said, I, I already downloaded the... Uh, the um, What's it called? The, the relationship. I'm not looking. Business relationship. It's, it's not a sexy name. I'm sorry. <laughs> Business relationship assessment or something Business like that. Really boring. <laughs> <laughs> but it's excellent. Highly recommended for anyone listening. Um, and and uh, as is following you and and and, and um, finding out more about what you're what you're doing and how they can work with you.
And our theme tune over and over was written and performed by Eleanor Brown, who you can find at eleanorbrownmusic.com. <laughs>